They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Thank God we have got great fans of this show that put up with all of our nonsense. We have got someone who, who is uh, a dreamer on the show today, and we are incredibly excited about it. Yep. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on Thoughts That Rock. It's your favorite podcast. What do we do here? We give out life-changing advice, and we do it in a tiny little package. When you say a tiny little package, you mean like 30 minutes, <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> I just want to. I, I, I will never say sure. that about this show again. Listen, we understand uh, you probably are listening to the podcast mm-hmm. on a format um, like Simplecast know. or CastBox sure. Sure. or Chrome or whatever. Or iTunes. That's right. Or Google Podcasts. Maybe sure. Libsyn. Maybe Radio Addict. Good guy. Maybe Stitcher. <laughs> I'm gonna, well, we're on 40 <laughs> and I'm only a fourth of the way through. <laughs> Honestly, here's here's the deal. In, uh, especially in Germany, on, you might be listening to Mister Right? Listen, do us a France. In France, it's still called a Whopper with cheese. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My I'm quoting Pulp Fiction. Okay. Do us a favor. Like yep. most people, believe it or not, are listening to us on Apple iTunes. Like that's our number one. Ninety-seven percent. Ninety-seven percent. That's a right. lot. That's right. Um, it's so easy for you to just go down to the bottom of that sheet, whatever you're listening to right now, and yep. put in a rating and a review. Not really a sheet, but on the screen, just get, give us a five. That's right. Give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of love, if you would, yeah, so that we know. can help grow the show. I've so learned so much. It's amazing. I trade my firstborn. Whatever. Just a couple of words. Yeah. Jim rocks. Anything. Anything. <laughs> we'll take it. It doesn't really even have to be about both of us. If you're just happy with one of us, I think that's cool too. As long as it's Jim. Yeah. But we want to grow the show because you know we like to give some money away. That's right. We love giving money to Cannonball Kids Cancer. That is one of the main reasons we do this podcast is to donate money back to uh, this incredible organization that helps. Kids who've run out of options find some options. If they can't find a treatment for them, they fund a treatment. They are an amazing organization. You should check them out for sure. They're at cannonballkidscancer.org. Yeah, we know how busy you are, right? You've got a lot of stuff happening in your life. Yep. And, you know, you're just trying to find the a Rona. To, you probably do have the Rona going on. Yep. 
and probably finding some stuff online, you would think yep. it's easy, but it's not. Nope. To step away and find a little bit of uh, some leadership, if you will. Nuggets. We get it. I'm sure you're not just sitting there listening only mm-hmm. to the show. You're probably doing two things at once, right? Yep. So I would assume yep. you could be doing something like, I don't know, maybe you're on a long train home from Serbia. <laughs> maybe you're <laughs> replanting bonsai trees. Oh. <laughs> or maybe you're slow cooking a whole hog on a spit. <laughs> That's disgusting. Is it? Is it? I like me. Start the show. <laughs> we just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to. Here we go. <laughs> Our guest today is an awesome keynote speaker and entrepreneur. The outstanding, the funny, and very inspirational Derek Kiango. Derek, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate being on your program. Yeah, this is fantastic for us. I know it's taking us a couple tries, but uh, he's here, Brant, and uh, we, we can't we be more happy. Could not be happier. Yes. So uh, we will absolutely have uh, Derek's impressive full bio in the show notes, but just a couple highlights I thought would be neat to point out. First off, he's the founder of the Global Soap Project, which recycles partially used and discarded bars of soap from literally thousands of hotels and then redistributes it to disadvantaged populations around the world. I think something like 90 countries right now, which is fantastic. It's amazing. And he's also the former CEO of the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, which showcased stories of victims of civil rights abuse and really the heroic actions that changed the course of history. And Derek is the one, I think, that put the center on the global map with his leadership. And certainly we can talk about some of the things that are going on today. And I think the one thing that, you know, I've been very lucky. We've seen you, Derek, you know, on the speaking circuit and just major kudos to all of your keynotes and your infectious optimism and your powerful storytelling. And we're just, we're thrilled that you're here. I will say this one thing, uh, you know, Brant, Derek spoke at HR Florida, which uh, both Brant and I have spoken at before, but I saw a lot of the live tweets and posts saying that, that, that Derek was really the best speaker we've ever seen. So we're not offended at all. Not Derek. at all. You know, that's no. fine. Go ahead. Second and third steal place is still on the podium. That's right. We'll still take whatever medal you could dish out. So thank you for taking top spot. So so we're really lucky and uh, to have you here. And if you know anything about our show, we are not going to do this uh, long traditional interview style that you might hear on other podcasts. We get right to the point of sharing great pieces of advice. So Derek, we're going to leave the floor open to you, my friend. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock! First of all, let me say thank you so much for having me on your program and uh, for the work that you've done to really showcase what rocks in this world and and different people that do that work. Uh, For me, what rocks today in particular is uh, this idea of entrepreneurship and innovation uh, even amidst, amidst a crisis, especially now that we have all this uh, crazy stuff going on in our country, yeah. the pandemic uh, with COVID-19 and, of course, the unfortunate death of our brother, uh, Mr. Uh, George Floyd. I think this calls for that moment that Churchill once called a, a never waste a, crisis, a good crisis. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're, in a, we're in the middle of a, an incredible crisis. But this crisis, guys, requires for us to have a rock thought that has to do with courageous, having courageous conversations during this crisis is important. Yeah. And not backing away from that courage 
to really go and ask ourselves the tough questions. Because if we do that, then it opens up an opportunity for us to solve problems. This is the time when heroes and sheroes are born. And that's my thought that rocks right now. Yeah, when you say having courageous conversations, um, is part of that that you think maybe what got us to this point that people weren't really doing that before? That in fact... You know, maybe they were either keeping things to themselves or they weren't sticking their neck out or they weren't using their platforms to have these discussions. Yes, it's, it's more than that, though. It's, it's, it's really this idea that we are not going to service this moment with platitudes. In other yeah. words, everybody wants, uh, for example, the president to do something and the senators to do something and the leadership to do something. But the real question really at the end of the day is we are the country. You and I are the country. If yeah. you and I don't pick up the mantra and heal the small part of our ecosystem within the larger context of the country, then nothing is going to change. In other words, as a parent, I have two kids. My job in my small little ecosystem is to raise those kids to love this country, to love their neighbors, to be responsible citizens. And if I do that, that will be the, the beginning of a healing of the whole nation. So when you see adults abusing uh, 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 each other, it's because they were taught to do that. Yeah. Somebody somewhere taught that man or that woman to abuse another person. So at the end of the day, for me, the courageous conversation is going to be with our children. Yeah. If you have a child, if you have a great child, go and sit down with that child and say, every, every person is important and created equal in the eyes of God. You cannot be hateful. So that's where the courageous conversation for me begins. I love that, Derek. I think that, so for me, I feel like one of the challenges right now is if I think about having a difficult conversation with my kids, um, mm. there there is some sort of built-in forgiveness in case I say something wrong because they know that I love Correct. them. I've got a history of loving them and uh, they, they know that. But what we are seeing right now, I think there's so many people afraid to say the wrong thing that they don't say mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. the problem. Is it not? Yes, it is. In fact, I was doing some uh, 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 facilitating work and one of the managers said, he was a white gentleman and said, Derek, I am so scared to say the wrong thing and to be then villainized for having said the wrong thing that I didn't know what to do. And then his counterpart, an African-American lady, said, but it's okay to say the wrong thing because then I can help you correct mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I will never be able to help you to correct the wrong thing if I don't know that you even know what, you're, what the wrong thing is. <laughs> I just now think and assume that you just don't care, period. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's is, is that old saying that silence is capitulation. Mm. And when you are quiet, it looks like you're partnering with the oppression that we are talking about. So it's okay to say, to the, the, I told the managers, you can say it this way. You, you can say to your team, you can say, I am the manager and I'm, I'm the leader, but I don't know everything. Yeah, I need help. You guys can be honest with me. Let's have a conversation and let's work this out together. And yeah. that's what people are looking for. That, that idea that every leader can actually humble themselves and say, I don't know everything. I'm looking for answers. Can, can somebody help me? You know, when you were talking about the fact that 
uh, everything I believe is learned behavior. And I think what you're Mm -hmm. saying is that there's maybe a two pronged approach um, in my mind. And I, I, I write about this in my book that I think when I, and I talk mostly Derek about organizational cultures and I don't think it's the building or the tools or the forms or the processes or all that. It is the people. It's always going to be the humans that make up that culture. So if you look at it from a macro standpoint, from a, you know, from a country or global standpoint, again, what's going on, the solution is going to be based off of behaviors. And and then the point that you're trying to make is, yeah, there might be a surface level, immediate short term solution. But really, the long-term solution is how do you treat your kids or how do you teach them to treat other people, right? And it could be, you know, where we maybe used to learn it in school or from our parents. We certainly aren't learning that from, you know, when we take on a, a job somewhere. So it has to start early on. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying it rhetorically. I'm actually asking, are you saying that it starts early to try and get them to have the right behaviors, Yes, um, and I, I'll, I'll use a good analogy here. In, I'm originally African, obviously, as you can tell from my accent. I'm Ugandan, which is lovely. But we use a lot of uh, animal uh, kingdom sort of techniques to, to, to relate to the ecosystem that we live in. If you want a lion to learn how to hunt, there are small games that you play with a little cub every day as the mother lioness to teach that lion when it grows up to hunt. And if you don't teach that lion how to hunt properly, it will never feed itself. Hmm. In the same way, as humans, we're different. We teach our kids to smile, to learn language, to, to have decorum, to be polite, to be humble, because we want them to be part of this social const- uh, contract that means that if I am taught the right things, I can go out in the community and behave in the right way. Yeah. So that I don't shock the rest of everybody to say, who, who taught you that? Why are you rude? Why are you yelling? Or why are you misbehaving? And that's why if we did that, we would have less infractions within our social contract. Yeah. But if we teach them to abuse the social contract, which is humbleness, uh, gentility, kindness, then we will have people that break that contract and therefore have horrible, horrible sociology in our, in our midst. But I'll give you one big reason why I'm scared for us being hateful towards each other. We are competing with other countries that are monolithic. They don't yeah. have racial imbalances. So, for right. example, China. China is monolithic. When they all out money for their schools, they don't say, oh, this is a black neighborhood. We're not going to give them enough money for them to go to school or have good schools. Oh, that's a Mexican uh, community. We're not going to give them enough money for them to go to school. Because they are all Chinese. Yeah. yeah? They're all Chinese. So we're going to have in America 50 years from now, kids who are competing with Chinese who are 1.4 billion, who are all educated at the same level, who have health care, who have no systematic systemic uh, racism in their community. Everything is all equal there. Yeah. But then we're going to give them a country to compete with that is full of imbalances. We're going to lose that. We're going to lose that battle yeah. very quickly because we are supporting a big chunk of our community on welfare and, 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 and all these things 
and they won't have welfare there in 50 years. They will be very, very wealthy. So that's my fear, that we're going to have to compete with people who are very organized, who love each other universally, who have no social imbalances like the ones we have over here. That's where the big fear is going to be. Yeah, I I look at that, Derek, and I say, I understand exactly what you're saying. I believe and have always felt that the diversity that makes up this country is our greatest strength um, when we can work together, (laughs) when we can value each other, when we can recognize that we each bring something unique to the table and the collective strengths of all of us are really what makes this, in, in our opinion, one of the greatest countries on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we have that ability to work together, um, to bring people together. And that that's been the hardest part to watch sort of what's going on is this divide that the country has right now that, you know, I, I have, I guess I believe it's, it's always been there to an extent. Um, maybe the behavior that we are seeing right now, um, was kept at bay because it just wasn't appropriate. You know, it was never made to be a norm, uh, a social norm. And over the last few years, um, since, since, you know, the white house has changed over to a different administration, all of a sudden now we're seeing a lot of social norms that are sickening and, and they're just being widely accepted that it's okay. So the behavior that we are experiencing as you said, this is, this is, I guess, my biggest frustration. As you said earlier, mm-hmm. your job if, is to teach your kids to be good human beings. That's your Correct. job. If the top of the top leaders in this country aren't doing the same, we have no hope to pull out of this downward spiral of the divide that we are now seeing in the most ugly of ways because that is not the goal. The goal is not to raise, you know, g- good human beings. The goal is swayed towards this, you know, particular want or this particular need or this particular party or this particular, uh, you know, um, corporate greed scenario, whatever that looks like. And and we have mm. to get to that point where it comes back to just the goal needs to be to be just good human beings first, and then let's see what we can build from there. How do we do that as a country right now when our parents, if you will, are not doing a good job of raising good human beings? And that's where the, the, it becomes that old African saying that it takes a village to raise a good mm-hmm. child. Amen. Amen. Uh, because I know, honestly, I have, I'm not the best father in every sector. I need help from my neighbors to say, hey, Derek, we saw your son out last night and he didn't behave this way and we, we did tell him to behave well. Thank you. Thank you for doing that because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be everywhere uh, in terms of helping the child. So one of the things that we really have lost control over is to, when we see something bad or when we're part of a conversation with our friends and they say something horrible, we should hold them accountable. Yes. If uh, uh, somebody at work, for example, cracks a joke that is insensitive uh, towards uh, uh, somebody who is disabled, they, that's not nice. Don't do that. You know, yeah. we can. Learning never stops. Even when you become an adult, you're still learning. 
So the reason why this is important is because it does reflect itself in our corporate uh, revenue base, you know? Mm-hmm. Because if you behave poorly at a corporation today, you're going to have the corporation sued yeah. for your poor behavior. Mm-hmm. And guess who's going to pay for it? That lawsuit means that all of us, the shareholders, uh, the, the, the employees, the customers, are all paying for that lawsuit. It's not just that one person. It's the same thing with the police. If they commit this crime and they get sued, the whole department gets sued. And guess who's paying for that? All of us as taxpayers are paying for that lawsuit. Yes. So that is why it's important for us to all be responsible. Because for me, I'm I'm, I'm a business person. I love business. I love capitalism. I love the way it works. But we cannot undermine our profit margins because of bad kids who are behaving poorly. Yeah. You know, and for us to all pay for it. And then the problem, in conclusion, is that after the lawsuit, then we have to fire that kid who behaved poorly. But guess what? He may be one of the best employees in terms of his qualification. He may be so smart or she may be so smart. But because she behaves poorly or he behaves poorly, we now have to fire our best employee because they don't have social training. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is why it's important to learn decorum to learn how to behave within the social contract because you're going to get fired or you're going to get let go, not because you're not competent, but because you don't know how to behave amidst all of us. So the new corporation, as I say it, in the next century is going to require you to, first of all, know how to behave among your social peers yeah. before they even look at your qualifications because you're going to cost them a lot of money. Yeah. You know, So that is what we're looking at right now. And then lastly, on my point, on this particular point, is competition. If you don't have diversity in your competition, you're never going to acquire the highest rungs of competitiveness. So, for example, in sports, when the white uh, sports uh, NBA players played just as whites, they thought they were really, really good, and they were good. Mm -hmm. But Larry Bird would have never been Larry Bird if he had never competed with Magic Johnson. Sure. The two of them needed each other to get to the, and similarly, Magic would have never become Magic if he had never competed against Larry Bird. Yeah. But that has to do with diversity. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So if you want to compete at the highest level possible, you've got to compete with Chinese. You've got to compete with Africans. You've got to compete with the Japanese. For you to really see, am I really that good? Because they have a different lens on how they have, they look at work and culture and all that stuff. So that's why diversity and inclusion is so, so important. It's, it goes to the level of competition. And all of us as human beings will benefit from that competition eventually. I think that's got to that's be a really tough thing in this country because, I mean, here we have the World Series uh, with baseball and there's no world involved. It's mm-hmm. just this country, but we call it the World <laughs> Series. Right. So we sort of have this this predisposed uh idea um and and honestly Derek I mean from from coming from Uganda the one thing that I've noticed and this is you know it's a privilege for anyone who gets a chance to travel outside of 
uh, in the United States, even to travel outside of the state that you live in, believe it or not, hardly anyone uh, travels outside of the state of which they live in. So they have like these little microcultures and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, this idea of what's important to them because it only affects the county of which they live in or the state of which they live in. But if you've had the opportunity to travel to other countries, you really start to understand and appreciate that, at least in my experience, I have found um, American culture to be consumed with only American culture. <laughs> uh, it, mm-hmm. it when I when I go to the UK and you know, let's say my band was playing a festival over there, I was always blown away by how much I felt like they had their finger on the pulse of the world, not just the pulse yeah. of what's happening in their backyard, and it, it made yeah. me feel completely incompetent to have a conversation because I'm going, Oh my gosh, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they talk about it like it's just second nature mm-hmm. and it's intimidating in a lot of ways to, to experience that because we're, we have a tendency to only care about what we care about here and not yeah. look beyond the greater good. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so the example that I give people and I'm, doing trainings around diversity and inclusion is what is the most what is the most successful city in the United States? What what would you call that city? New York City. New York probably. Yeah. Very good. How many languages do you think are spoken in New York City? Hundred and fifty. <laughs> maybe all hundred and ninety six. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Close to ninety languages. Ninety. Wow. Ninety languages. Whew. Now if you come from a small city in the bucolic arenas of this country, you could not compete with New York City any day at all. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the level of food choices in New York City is astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could actually taste half of the world uh, uh, food in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Polk, you could in have, Polk you City, could, Florida here, Derek, yeah. we speak both country and Western. <laughs> 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 and you can get anything okay. fried that you want, including Oreos. <laughs> you you know what I mean? So you can tell how much you're missing out on culture yeah. and cultural uh, expose, uh, exposure and contribution if you if you don't live in New York City. Now, New York is not perfect, right? but we're just talking about the diversity of service and diversity of things you could actually experience just by being in that city alone. Just in four blocks on broad on Broadway, you could see almost 15 cultures. Wow. That's amazing. So what, what I'm talking about is that our, our, our big thing today, the thought that rocks today, is really going to be the courage for you as a person to be a contributor to the greater society for good. Mm-hmm. By having a courageous conversation with yourself first, mm-hmm. with your children second, and third with the nation, come to the nation with your courage to change it for good. That's where the thought really becomes a rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then also, you know, in those same groups, business leaders need to have those conversations with the people that are working with them or for them. Um, elected leaders are going to have to have these conversations with business leaders who put them into that position in the first place. So, you know, I think your, your thought is reminiscent of a quote that I once heard that said a strong relationship starts with two brave people 
who are ready to sacrifice anything for one another. It's easy, yes. I think, if it's parent to kid, or if you're getting somebody early on, if it's a, you know, whether it's a coworker, it could be a friend. But, you know, again, this is th- this is hard to say right now in this moment because emotions mm-hmm. are high and people are wanting some immediate response right now. And I think the greater focus is kind of what you're saying is, again, if this is learned behavior, whatever the age, whatever the level, we got to start having those conversations now or else, you know, we're going to be mired in the same thick of thin things. You never get to the great stuff that we want our companies or our country to be, right? Yeah, and, and so that is the the talk of things. But uh, the, the the other thought that I, I, I talk about is that um, we, we, when I was a refugee, um, I was taken in by a white lady from Pittsburgh who raised me wow. as a refugee kid. She left Pittsburgh to come to Kenya to raise refugee kids. Hmm. She wow. was white. That's awesome. And then after she taught me all the values of what I thought and I think America is, you know, hard work, this technical Calvinistic approach to our country, I then got a scholarship to go to one of the elite schools in this country by a white guy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> who had never met me but had heard my story. And she said, I'm going to invest in you, Derek. Just study hard. Yeah. And then I finished school and I came up with this idea of recycling soap from hotels and everybody laughed at me. But guess what? The Hilton Corporation invested in me $1.3 million without even seeing a business plan. Whoa, that's awesome. That is awesome. They gave me one, and it took two staffers from Hilton Corporation who had no preconceived notions about me as a black kid or as an African. Are they, are they competent? Were they able to do it? They just had faith in me. Yeah. And I built the factory. And that whole cycle led us to ship soap to refugee camps and to help mothers save their kids from dying from diarrhea and cholera and all the other waterborne diseases. That's what happens. That is what we call a miracle. That's how a miracle happens. <laughs> you have to really invest in the African-American experience in the Mexican experience, in the white experience, in the Asian experience, the Chinese experience, invest in ourselves and you will see people do remarkable things. So by the time I became a CNN hero, people didn't know where the story started from. It started from that young lady from Pittsburgh who was a white girl who invested in me and gave me hope. Yeah. That's what we need at a young at a young age. So yeah. that's why I'm saying this is important. I, I hope these people know uh, how much you know return on their investment they've gotten. Because look at what you do now, and you're out there inspiring audiences all over the planet. And uh, you know, I think we laughed about this before. Brant and I heard a rumor that you may be thinking about you know going back and maybe serving in some type of a you know political position at some point in your home country. I don't know if that's still on the map or not, but look at where you are. Look at what you do now and. Here they were just probably using their own values and saying, I want to invest in this one person, never really knowing how you would turn out. And, uh, you know, you've become the man that you are. And now you're doing that for your, your two sons or your two kids and certainly for millions of people around the world. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, and so th- that is important. But also, those, then we not not have to speak to those people who we've invested in. Yeah, yeah. If somebody invests in your life, please be responsible with that investment. Bring that investment to the marketplace and use it for good. So can you imagine if Marge had come and sacrificed her life and left her beautiful life in Pittsburgh and the gentleman who gave me the money to go to school and the hidden corporation and I just destroyed everything. You know, yeah. I embezzled it or stole it. Yeah. You've, you've, you've got to understand as an individual the investment that people are putting in you, in the school teachers that teach you, the, the, your, your managers that are, are hired you at the corporation where you work. They didn't hire you to be hateful. Right. They hired you to really make a difference and create product that we can all consume. So be uh, be responsible with the investment, you know? Yeah. Be responsible with it. I wonder if Brant realizes how much I invest in him. Do you think... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He's sitting right here. It's probably too far, Derek, don't you think? Well, Derek, to, without without Jim even fishing in that way, if it was to be the, the God's honest truth is... If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't uh, be where I am today. I, I, you know, it was him yeah. who came and, and invested in me and uh, oh. in every way possible to make me believe that I had the ability to do what I do now. And I've been fortunate as you had to be in front of large crowds and inspire them. And, and part of Derek, what I love about you and, and just knowing your story and what you have done, even though you say and you've told us on this show today that um, your job is to raise good kids. What you have to understand is that you are still, you're doing that to 40 year olds, to 50 year olds, to 60 year olds, um, because Mm. it might be the first time they've ever heard what you are bringing to the table every time you step onto a stage. And that to me is such an inspiring thought. Um, It it changes what's possible for the people who Mm. might believe it's too late for them to change, Um, to, Mm. to inspire somebody at the end of their career to say, you still have time to change what's possible for you and everyone around you is such an incredible thought. Um, that they don't just feel like they missed their opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if we can't get them young, yeah. then we've got to get them old um, and, and not, yeah. not let them just walk away. And I just, I can't thank you enough for, you know, shouldering that burden. And Jim and I are proud to, to walk next to you uh, every time you do it. Thank you guys. I really appreciate that thought. That's a, <laughs> that's a wonderful thought, but that's the burden we all have to carry. All right. Um, you, you you have to really be your brother's keeper and your sister's keeper. Yep. Um, to, and, and, and that's that's more godly than I can ever think of anything. Uh, just taking care of your neighbor. And America is known for that. This yep. is our tradition. Yeah. This is who we are. We cannot abandon that. Yeah, for sure. Derek, where can people stay in touch with you if they want to stay connected or, or have you come and speak for them? What's the easiest way for someone to do that? They can email me, and uh, they can email me at my email, which is my first and last name, Derek, which is D E double R E C K K A Y O N G O at gmail dot com. Or they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm on there. If you go go on LinkedIn, you can find me. I'm uh, I'm friendly. Uh, or my handle at Derek at, at 
Derek Kayongo uh, uh, for, for Twitter. Um, you can find me there as well. Or oh, Instagram, uh, Derek Kayongo. Uh, you can find Derek on that Instagram. So those are some of the ways. But the best way, just email me and um, easygoing. You can, you, I'll, I'll email you right back. Love that. Love that. Thanks for putting that out there. We appreciate it. And again, we will have all of your information. And of course, like we said, your, your fantastic bio and the show notes for everybody, but Derek, really, we, we can't thank you enough and, uh, we love what you do. We're going to keep an eye on your journey and thank you so much for just talking, you know, openly about some of the things that are going on today. That means a lot to us. Thank you guys. And I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. We're trying, we're trying, we're keeping up with you. You All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we both used to be exclusively represented by Kepler speakers. But now it's just me. Brant is on his own. So to hire Brant, good luck getting a hold of him. For me or both of us, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock on! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.